Welcome to the IMDb Journey podcast, where we break down every movie from the top 250 and give our thoughts, our reviews, and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson. And I'm Dan Jeffrey, and in this room, everyone will hear a scream. Maybe you. Uh, scream. Because I'm, I'm dead at the moment, apparently. No, but I'm back. You're spent. That's right. <laughs> and today I'll be breaking down the 1979 classic, Alien. Horror classic. Horror classic for this horror month of October. That's right. All the horror is our second episode, our first breakdown. Uh, yeah, it's uh, horrorific, I guess you should, I guess you could say. No, please yeah. don't. Well, you could say it if you wanted, and you don't want to. <laughs> How are you, mate? What's going on? Uh, you know, same old, same old. Had a bit of drama at work today. Ooh, do tell. I mean, I think it was interesting. Probably no one else will care, but we sent an order yesterday. And somebody made a mistake. I like you. No, not me. Of course not. Uh, they he went, never makes mistakes. They went by after the order had been sent and added one box to it and sent the order again. Ooh. Now, so I'm guessing they shipped the one box. Now, as if the order had been sent identically, the system at our warehouse picks it up as identical and only sends one. Because they'd added one box, aka making it not identical, we got sent the order Twice. The big order. Full shop order. Wow. Do you just cancel the next day's order? Well, no, because it's different stuff we need to order. That's a very valid point. (laughs) Like, we're talking like close to 20 grand here. Like, it's. I was. Send it back? No, (laughs) it's more work to send it back, (laughs) believe me, and and split the invoices and do all that than actually work it and get through it eventually. But man, I was furious today. Unlucky fella. Mm. How have you been? Yeah, I've been pretty good. Uh, back at work today. First day back after two first, weeks off. First day? Yeah. Look at you. Yeah, it's good. Had a, had a great day at work getting back into it. Did you? I hate the first day back after no, holidays. No, I feel like two weeks for me is the perfect perfect amount where I've had enough time to you know recharge the batteries, but I haven't been aw- away for so long where I, I'm not keen. You're out of touch. Yeah, exactly. Like I, It felt like, like a, a long, long weekend for me. Like I, st- I still knew what I was doing as soon as I got back in there, which mm. was great. Uh, we did go to the zoo, the Werribee Zoo, over the holidays with the kids. Again, yep. the old safari ride. Nice. It. We did catch up for a barbecue as well. Yes, we did. That was a really fun night, actually. Yeah, all of our friends to get together, a couple of drinks, good yep. times. I actually have a weird story. Well, not so much a weird story, more of an infuriating story. We cleaned out our garage over the weekend. What? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> is that the first time you've ever done it? In fact, your garage is not dirty or messy. There's a lot of stuff in there that it's junk. We just don't need it anymore. So we got What'd the father-in-law around and we- Drop it on the side of the road? No, not a scumbag like you. Hey. We rallied up the ute and we took it down to the tip and we had a couple of those freebie tickets that you get. Like, hey. yep, yep. So we pull on in, give them the tickets and the guy's like, yeah, those expired four days ago. Oh, no. I'm like, mate, it's four days. It's a yearly ticket. Oh. It's like, nah, can't do it. 115 bucks. I'm like, oh, what? What? <laughs> Like mate, and he's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's it's expired. Oh like, no, you piece of shit! It's not his fault that you got the dates wrong. I can guarantee you, if we got someone else, they'd be like, yeah, sure, go ahead, because this guy was a grumpy old bastard with a big white beard. <laughs> he is not having a good day. Oh, so you paid the the hundred and fifteen? I had to. <laughs> Ridiculous! That is outrageous. Absolutely. I for for one ute load. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. 
And you're mocking dumping on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah, when we left, I'm like, fuck, I should have just thrown it on the side of the road. Should have just driven out, out the driveway and dropped it there for it. 115 bucks to be a scumbag. I think it's worth it. Mm. But I did go down to the pub with the father-in-law yesterday to check out the uh, latest UFC match. That's right. How was that? It was good. Over in two rounds, though. Yeah, well, most UFC fights, the, I think the length of a UFC fight is five rounds before it finishes. I thought this one was a 12-rounder. I don't think they do that for UFC. I think that's for boxing. Pretty sure I read it was 12 rounds. Well, either way... The, it, pa- the pub was packed, absolutely packed. Nice. It's great when the crowd really increase your uh, enjoyment of it. Yeah, especially when the uh, the Aussie uh, losers get a lot of uh, annoyed Australians. I'll just put it at that. Ah, well. Did you have a punt? I did not. I had a lot of beers, though. Good times. Nice. Yeah. All right, enough of that, Hendo. What are we actually doing today? Well, after our breakdown of Alien, we're going to take a look at the answers that you, the listeners, gave to our question of the week, which is, what is your favourite Ridley Scott film? Not as many choices as there usually is for our question of the week here, is there, Dean? No, but surprisingly, a wider range of films than I probably would have guessed. Well, we'll see what tops our number one when we do our top five. And after that, we'll take a look at the latest Pod v Pod draft results between us and Jason, Sam and Trish at the Invasion of the Remake podcast in our horror comedies draft, as well as look at the results of the grand final in our 1990s film tournament with Jurassic Park against Pulp Fiction. The ultimate grand final, the 90s, one of the best film decades, and it's all come down to this. Which will move us directly into the 2000s. Another great decade. Exactly. (laughs) Lots of good movies there. And then after that, we're going to find out what we're watching next time, which you guys already know is The Shining. Yeah. Horror month. That's what you chose. That's right. And we're sticking to it. So that's what you got coming up. So let's get into it. Give me the update. All right, Hendo. What's been going on on the IMDb Top 250 list? I uh, hear there's been a new entry pop in. Quite highly, Hendo. Yes, well, if anyone's listened to our Joker episode, (laughs) Joker has debuted into the list. It debuted at number 12, but it is now sitting at number 9. Coming at you, number 1. Here we go. Shawshank, no more. Do you think it'll go higher, or do you think 9 is where it peaks? Honestly, that's probably where it'll peak. I'm surprised it got that high, but... uh, (laughs) Surprise is an understatement, I must say. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but... Yeah, I mean, I I hope it drops. It's not worthy of top 10, 20, or 30. 250. No, it's it's worthy of 250. Come on, top 10? That'd be ridiculous. That kicks out Fight Club as well, if I'm not mistaken. It does, for the moment. Unacceptable. <laughs> uh, the only other movie that's gone up in a decent amount is Parasite. Gone up to 73 now. Oh, here we go. Yeah, it's steady up to uptick. It's got legs. That's right. Uh, in terms of other films that have dropped, we have Drisham has dropped from 118 to 126. Suarez has dropped from 234 to 239. And Spotlight has gone down from 218 to 222. And looking down at the bottom of the list, out now is The Legend of 1900, Winter Sleep, and Solaris. And in its spot is the aforementioned Joker, White Heat, and Ace in the Hole. And that is your update for the Top 250 this week. Thank you so much, Hendo. All right, before we get into Alien, just a quick word of warning that we will be spoiling the film that is super, super old by now from the get-go. So if you haven't seen it, you've been warned. And with that being said, let's get into Alien. released in 1979, starring Tom Skerritt, Sigourney Weaver, Veronica Cartwright, Harry Dean Stanton, John Hurt, Ian Holm, and Yafet Koto. 
quite a tight cast here. Yeah, or well, when you have a film that's basically set in one location, you know, you don't need any outside actors, do you? You get this little bunch of people and that's what you need to focus on. Yeah, but I like that it's a, such a small cast. And I like that their names are really good as well. They're all one word and they're all like unusual names. Oh, are they all unusual? Ripley, Ripley Dallas. Dallas, Ash, Brett. Oh, Brett. Fucking Brett. Brett. <laughs> <laughs> what else is there? There's oh, pa- Parker, Parker. Parker. Lambert. And Kane? Kane. That's yeah. all one. Those Kane. are the people. That is all you need. They're good names, though. Except for Brett. Brett. Damn you, Harry Dean Brett. Stanton. <laughs> this has music by Jerry Goldsmith, who went on to do the score for LA Confidential, Chinatown, as well as Gremlins and Mulan. I mean, it's interesting because I don't think this score is uh, overly memorable. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's not It's you know not even close to an iconic score. And I know that the th- one of the big themes in this film is silence. Like, they use silence a lot in this film. So, I get why the score is probably not overly memorable, but, yeah, it's just not one of the strongest parts of the film. I must say, when the score does kick in at those very high, tense moments, it does sound very piercing. It really fills your ears when it works. Cinematography by Derek Vanlant, who has really done nothing else since this. Which is surprising, because the movie looks gorgeous. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. With the screenplay by Dan O'Bannon... Directed by Mr. Ridley Scott, who's done a lot of other films that we'll be talking about later. Let's get back to Mr. Dan O'Bannon here. Sure. Do you know what else this guy's written? Refresh my memory. Aliens, Alien 3, Resurrection, Alien vs. Predator, Alien vs. Predator Requiem, Prometheus, The Covenant. Alien Covenant. Alien Covenant, thank you. Total Recall and the Total Recall remake. He certainly got his little niche, he, he? has an enormous niche. And you know what else is interesting? It's also, so it's co-written by Dan Obernon. I'm just getting over the fact you, you think he's got an enormous niche. <laughs> it's also written by a guy named Ronald Shusset, who also wrote every single movie I just mentioned. These two must be like ultimate best friends. <laughs> like you and me. Isn't that crazy though? <laughs> I mean, is it? That's, 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 a, that's decades of work together. Exclusively, it looks. Good on him. I Works mean, well, to yeah. a degree. Have you, what have you seen in the Alien franchise? Aliens. Yeah. Once. Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, Half of Prometheus. Oh, Alien vs. Predator, Alien... No, I didn't see the second one. I just saw the first one. So, yeah. What about you? Have you seen everything? This is the second time I am watching Alien. I have seen Aliens once, and that is it. Oh, wow. Haven't, so se- not, haven't seen any other one. You're not ruined by the garbage that's going to follow. Yeah, and I... I Can't d- wait to do... This is a Patreon special. <laughs> oh, let's do the film series. Let's move into Alien 3. I feel like I need to watch that, though. It's the last Fincher film I haven't seen, so... Let's let's clear out his filmography, I reckon. I mean, it's got to be in contention for one of the worst third films in a great trilogy of all time. Terminator 3. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, Rise of the Machines. But I don't mind that film. It's not horrendous. Return of the Jedi is not as well liked, but oh, I quite, I quite yeah, like yeah. it. We've just lost like 30% of our listeners. Why? Why would you say that? There's a lot of love for Jedi out there. Yeah, I like Jedi. I'm just saying, like, you're looking at like one and two movies that are revered. Oh, Back to the Future 3, not as well liked. That's insane. Back to the Future 3 is great. Yeah, again, I agree. But, <laughs> yeah, I think I think Alien 3 is probably the yeah. worst third film compared to its first two. Oh, okay. Compared to the first two, I thought you were going to start throwing out some like horror films that the third one's absolutely garbage, but in comparison to how great the first two are. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. yeah. Exactly. Let's talk about casting, Dean. Harrison Ford turned down the role of Dallas. Oh, that would have been good. Do you think it's too no, Han Solo-y nah, out nah. in space? He's the captain. It's Harrison Ford. Go for it. I don't know. I felt like it would have been just too much of a resemblance. It's the same person, Hendo. <laughs> of course he's going to look the same. 
everyone would have just associated Han Solo with this guy. I mean, they didn't associate Han Solo with Indiana Jones. How, how is Dallas the captain of a spacecraft in space, the same as Indiana Jones, a... Professor. Professor adventurist. Archaeologist. Out- yes, that's the one. <laughs> Night and day. Just saying, it's the same person. <laughs> All right, move on from this. <laughs> All right, any other good casting news? Yeah, Ridley Scott said that the casting of Ripley came down to Sigourney Weaver and Meryl Streep. Do you think that before he settled on the name Ripley, he was going to go for Ridley? <laughs> <laughs> He's probably like, if I was born a female, that's what my parents would have called me. Yeah, for sure. He's like, what do we call the ultimate hero of this film? Ridley. Uh, now, Ridley, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea, Ridley. Let's turn that D the other way around. <laughs> Rip. There we go. No, uh, Meryl Streep. What, what do Terrible. you think? What a stupid choice. Like, I get it. She's a good actress. But, like, Sigourney Weaver and this character of Ripley is iconic and will go on to be one of the greatest female heroines and action stars of all time. But think about it at this point in time. No, she becomes I'm the big action hero in Aliens. What about in this film? Do you think Meryl Streep could have played this Ripley role back in the late 70s? No. She actually turned down the role because she was mourning the death of her husband, John Cazale, at that time. May he rest in peace. John Cazale, that guy, has a quite awesome resume. Yes. What is it that uh, every film he was in got nominated for? For Best Picture. Yeah. Yeah. Man, what a champion. The Conversation, Godfather 1 and 2. Dog Day Afternoon. Dog Day Afternoon. And The Deer Hunter? Yeah, and The Deer Hunter, yeah. Wow. Massive. Crazy. Cazale. Did you say Cazalian? (laughs) Cazalian. Sure. Segwaying back to Alien would be nice. I was going to say, speaking of Oscar noms. Speaking of Alien. This was nominated for Best Art Direction in the Set Decoration category back then. Actually lost to All That Jazz. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I won't judge. Fair enough. But it did win Best Visual Effects. Is All That Jazz like a musical? Like, All That Jazz. Can you do that again for me, please? No. It was a one and done sort of deal. (laughs) You will never hear that again. (laughs) I'm going to try. The next time we do a Pod V Pod, I'm going to do something that relates to you singing that again. (laughs) But yeah, I think you are right. That is that film. Yes. No. Regardless of the jazz, uh, good win for visual effects. Yeah, absolutely. Is it its only win you said? Yes. Yeah. Nominated for the Art Direction 1 visual effects. So the Xenomorph and the Facehugger in this film is on screen for about four minutes. Wow. Yeah. Definitely Feels very, like more. Very uh, Jaws-esque. And I feel before you start tearing that down- I'm not tearing it down. You're about to. I think that works very well in getting in that horror tension, that effectiveness of very rarely seeing the haunting nature of this alien. Well, wasn't it Hitchcock who said there's nothing scarier than a closed door? He could have said that. If he did say that, that's a very smart thing to say. Yeah, I agree. Because the thought of what you imagine is behind there is always going to be worse exactly. than what actually is. So yeah. so having the xenomorph so rarely shown, when it is shown, my God, you just want more. Yeah. Like when it but starts they, they, being shown. And the worst shots of this film, I reckon, are when the xenomorph is ejected from the spaceship and you see head to toe what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because that's the only time when it looks like a guy in a suit. Even though it's a guy in a suit always. Mm. And I actually watched a documentary on this years ago about this guy who has this very strange body type to be able to actually get into this bizarre suit. Yeah. But, yeah, I think when you do see it at the end, it sort of does take away a bit of the mystery. Well, that end section of the film was never part of the original screenplay. It was going to end with the ship blowing up. 
and her just going back to Earth. But Ridley Scott wanted to do this quote-unquote fourth act, and this is kind of where the genesis of the fourth act came from, where you think it's over, but no, here's this last scene, you know, bringing it all back. Yeah, and no, it's it's... Is it a bad scene? No. Okay. You, what? No, yeah, the, okay. the end is fantastic. Yeah, it's just you're saying the, in the, regards, little look. In regards to keeping the fear and tension up about this character. Now, I realise at this point the tension's got to be gone because the threat's gone. It's the alien. He's out. But seeing it, like, waving around in space, it wasn't as scary as when you see it lurking in shadows and that, yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get yeah, to it. of course. So Ridley Scott got quite bored while waiting for the budget to be determined for this movie that in his spare time, he storyboarded the entire movie, sent that to the studio, and they were so impressed that they doubled the budget. Doubled? Doubled the budget. Wow. Yeah, so time worth spent. Well spent, I think. Time. When I was saying worth, I'm like, well. (laughs) (laughs) Worth. Worth is not right. (laughs) Time well spent. Correct. But this was released on the 22nd of June in 1979, out to about 757 theatres, with a runtime of 117 minutes. Now, the original cut of this movie ran for three hours and 12 minutes. That's too long. Too long. Yeah. Way too long. Now, what do you think the tagline for this film is? Uh, in space, no one can hear you scream. I can't think of anything funny, so I'll just say it. Yeah. It's a great tagline. It is fantastic. With an overall budget of $11 million, it grossed $81 million in America. Oh, and worldwide, $106 million. Gee, pretty quiet overseas. Yeah, it got, it got all its money from America. Hmm. All right, let's take a look at the history of Alien in the IMDb Top 250. This debuted on the very first list that was ever out in 1996. Debuted at number 43. The lowest it ever dropped to was number 89, and it peaked at number 39 in 2013. Super consistent. Yeah, so it's been hovering around that area for the last six years, where it currently sits right now at number 53, with an average of 8.4 over 728,000 ratings. Impressive. All right, Dean, this is your horror pick. It is your plot summary. All right. After a space merchant vessel perceives an unknown transmission as a distress call, its landing on the source moon finds one of the crew attacked by a mysterious life form, a.k.a. an alien, and they soon realise that its life cycle has merely begun. Dum, dum, dum. Dun, dun, dun. All right, Dean, let's do it. Opening shot. Stars. Loved it. I love the way, two things I loved about this. The camera's panning across the stars Mm -hmm. and then it gets behind this planet and it goes super dark. I was like, oh, here we go. This is sort of a symbolism, analogy for how it starts off all right and then it's going to get into dark. But then it comes out the other side into stars again. I was like, okay, I guess you could argue, well, she got away. Yeah. But I mean, really... Yeah. I also love how slowly each piece of the alien yes. title appears on the screen. Because I'm great. seeing I'm seeing these lights come up, these blue little some diagonal lines. I'm like, what is that? And then when you realize, oh, it's gonna say alien, it's like, cool, nice. Yeah, it's like good, it. good opening up. shot. And then we get the text coming up, it's the Nostromo crew seven. I think it's pronounced Nostromo. Nostromo. We'll go with that then, won't we? Yep, seven crew. Yeah, I mean, they're returning to Earth. That's really They're all processing that 20 million yeah, tons of does mineral that, Does ore. that matter? No, it doesn't, but that's what it says. That's what they're doing. Okay. They're going to Earth, though. But we get a scan through of an empty spaceship. I, I really like how they set this spaceship up, like the yeah. the noises the of the computers and... Quite this, silent. This, no, when the, when the computer screens come up and they, they're basically like the helmets looking at the screen, I think the sound mixing on this movie is really well done. It really conveys that deep sci-fi space movie like this, this this 
spaceship is in control. Silent. Yeah, no, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I like the sound mixing, the way they didn't put any sound there. Brilliant. Um, no, I, li- about. <laughs> I liked the... It was very reminiscent of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah, this has a lot of similarities to that film. Yeah. One being that it's in space. Yeah. Is there another? Oh, the, the shots of the empty spaceship. And the sounds. And the lack of sound. That's probably it. But um, no, it was it was good. And I like the design of this pod thing that they're all sleeping in. I thought it was really cool how they're all, you know, sort of facing the right way into this center and they've got all these pods sticking out of the circular. That's definitely middle. been reused a lot in all these more recent sci fi films as well. Has it? Name two Passengers and Passengers 2 when it happens. Mm. Well, I haven't seen Passengers, so this is still quite fresh to me. Avoid it. <laughs> I hope it didn't ruin Alien for you. <laughs> oh my God, I couldn't believe it. But no, we've seen Kane starting to move, and he's, he's the one that gets up slowly, as played by John Hurt, most uh, notably famous for playing Ollivander from Harry Potter. I would have thought he was most famous for playing Kane in Alien. No, because I bet you didn't know his name before we watched this movie. Yes, I did. That was the last name we remembered. Yes. May I remind you, the last one. The name Kane, yeah. The actor John Hurt, yeah, I know he's an alien because he's the most famous scene of the chest burst. That's him. You said it before, Harry Potter. I didn't Potter. know it was him. I didn't know John Hurt was in Harry Potter. What? Come on, don't be silly. He gives Harry his first wand. Are you Ooh. kidding? How dare you? <laughs> My God, who gives a shit? No, he's fantastic in Harry Potter. But now we get this really, really stupid subplot about Parker and Brett not getting paid as much as anyone else. Who cares? I think this They're is just, all going to die anyway. <laughs> this is just general chit-chat. This is them just having breakfast and I talking. I felt awkward for Dallas. I was like, uh, yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> Should have held out for a bigger contract. Oh, I didn't I didn't look into any of this. This was just them having a general conversation. Most of the stuff is just improvised as well along the way. These regular sit-down talks, having food, is just normal talk. That's what they're doing. This is all improvised. This is not part of a script. They're just being told, sit down and have a chat. Yeah. Now, I, I, all jokes aside, I did like the relationship and the casualness that you got from this group. Like, you get that this group is reasonably close. But no, now you get Dallas, the captain of the Nostromo, go in and speak to... Mother. Mother. Let's not do that anymore. No, let's not. Um, But he speaks to Mother, who appears as lots of white lights around him, I guess, and should just been one light, maybe maybe a red one. Who knows? Stop it! (laughs) What? (laughs) Hello, Dave. (laughs) Yeah, we find out that they've been woken up. Yeah, woken up early. Yeah, because there's a distress signal coming from a moon where they've diverted off course to investigate. Yeah, and the the Mother ship has woken them all up. Because mm-hmm. this is the new important mission, you know? It's not about getting them safely back to Earth anymore. It's if there is other life out there, we want to know about it. Yeah, as we find out later on, they're expendable now. This is this is the sole purpose now. And like we find out, that they're just miners. Like, they are just getting minerals. They're not hunters. They're not fighters. This is all way above their pay grade. So this is, is this set in like way future or is it just not even in relation to time at all? I think I heard that it was in like, it was in 2000 something. Okay. Because it's never set in this film. So I'm guessing that in Aliens or, I mean, Alien 3 is a shit show, but maybe in Aliens they do mention a year or something. To be fair, we don't need to know. No, we don't. I was just thinking... You know. It's in the future there because they're out in space. They're doing this stuff. It's clearly futuristic. But the problem is when you see these people traveling for like so far, 
like they're years and years and years away from Earth, yeah. you sort of think, well, is it like, do they know about aliens? Is it normal for them? But obviously it's not. Well, they're talking about other life forces. I'm not sure if they know about... Forces or forms? Both. Whatever. Now, but we have the ship landing on the moon here. I must say, the effects in this oh, movie... they're insanely Absolutely good. amazing. They really, really are great. And I wasn't expecting good effects from a film this old. Like I, Were you expecting, like, ropes on the uh, model? Not quite ropes, but this is convincing. Like, mm. like, really, really convincing. Absolutely. But they land a little weird and the hole gets breached. It's unfortunate for them. But, you know, you've got Parker and Brett, the, the fixers of the, the ship, going down to get it sorted. I mean, these are the guys that are keeping everyone alive. Like, otherwise, they'd just be stuck there and die. And they're not even getting paid the right amount. How dare they? How is that, how is that even fair, Hendo? <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to give them their dues. But you can see they're also hamming it up. You see it later on when he's talking to Ripley, he's got this steam pipe blowing out shit. He's like, oh, this is going to take forever. We need, you know, we need to get more money here. And she's like, blow it out your ass and walks off. He just immediately turns the dial and it turns off. Like, he's, he's conning them all. He doesn't need no pay grade. <laughs> really? Actually, according to Yafet Koto, who plays Parker, Ridley Scott had told him to annoy Sigourney Weaver off camera as well so that there'd be actual tension between the characters. Yafet Koto actually regrets this because he, he really likes Sigourney Weaver. Well, I mean, that's just stupid. Do you know Yafet Koto from anything? No. I do. He is a Bond villain in Live and Let Die. Cool. He plays Kananga. Ooh. Yeah. For all you Bond fans out there. Crickets. His, de- his, de- his death is ridiculous. Bond feeds him like a, a gas compressed bullet and he blows up, like he inflates and blows up. It's hilarious. Like Violet Beauregard? Yeah, pretty much. Nice. Yep. That's good ass. But let's get to the alien spaceship. This thing's monstrous. It's huge. In more ways than one, Hendo. Mm, exactly. No, so we've got Dallas, Lambert and Kane all in their space suits mm-hmm. going out into the... Uh, into the alien spacecraft. Hey, while I think of it, should like what's the go of gravity in their spaceship? Because it's never an issue for them. It's just normal gravity while they're in space. I don't know. Maybe they've Shouldn't got... they be floating? Well, they don't float when they in real life when they land on the moon. They've got things in their space space suit. Special space suits. No, gravity stuff that keeps them down, keeps them compressed. Maybe the gravity is fine on this planet. Maybe they tested it. Maybe the gravity is the same on this moon than Earth. What about in space though? In their ships? There's the ships have functions that keep the gravity compressed. Would have been a much much more interesting film if they were just floating around the place. <laughs> if the xenomorph <laughs> floating in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Missed opportunity. But no, we see Ash here who's kind of playing King Dick in the uh the ship on the ground, isn't he? He is. He's he- like, oh look at me in the big chair. <laughs> He's doing a little dance and whatnot. It's it's a bit weird. You do see the big skeleton of the humongous alien. Is that what the whole thing about Prometheus is? He's saying that because it looked like Prometheus. Well, I know Prometheus is the the prequel to all these alien movies. I have so. no idea. I don't remember Prometheus. Okay, I thought it had something to do with the origins of this particular. I mean, that was a huge alien. Yeah, I'm just asking. You've seen it. You've seen it, and I haven't. So no, I, I said I saw half. Oh, I don't remember what you said. You, I heard you say I've seen Prometheus. Half was it? The- half. Was it the good half? I'm not sure there is such a thing. There's a reason I saw half. <laughs> yeah, but you see, Ripley is deciphering part of this transmission and she discovers that it's actually more of a warning. And Ash is uh, not too keen to let them know that. There's Ash. He's a coy bastard. Oh, I'm telling you, Ian Holm, he's he's not a nice man. He is not. What else do you know him from? Uh, Lord of the Rings, where he nearly like goes crazy on Elijah Wood and takes a ring. It's mine! That's, that shit's scary, man. Damn. Have you ever paused that scene? 
Is that when his face goes all yes. weird? Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a startling moment. <laughs> Calm down, Bilbo. Well, I think of Ian Holm from Fifth Element, in all fairness. Oh, really? Yeah. God, I mean, now that you've said it, obviously, yeah, I can picture it very well, but nah, it's, I mean, it's Bilbo Baggins. Yeah, he is Bilbo. He's definitely Bilbo. I did like going back to that weird alien on the alien ship, not the xenomorphs, the big humanoid thing. Yeah. I did like that you could see the chest was burst open. Yeah, that was but, good. Yeah, it was good foreshadowing and you know, ties it all into each other. It's good. But they end up scaling down into this humongous room, like even bigger than the last one. They have these blue laser lights that were going at this point. That was actually borrowed from the band The Who, who was testing out these blue laser lights next door to the production. They're like, hey, these things look cool. Can we borrow those? Like, yeah, sure, take them. Yeah, they no, used them in the scene. They work perfectly. They do. And, you know, Kane, he starts travelling down. He starts seeing all these... Large eggs. Yeah, speaking of perfect, these eggs are fantastic. The way they open up slowly and he's he's going in there, it's really, it's a great scene. The inside of those eggs were actually composed of real organic material. Ridley Scott used uh, cattle hearts and stomachs. The actual egg tube of the face hugger was sheep intestine. Like, it's all very mm. practical. Even that point when he looks into the egg before it opens and you see that thing moving, that's actually just Ridley Scott in his hand in there doing weird moves. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. They actually, they made 130 of those eggs for that scene. Surely they would have only, you know, filled one with guts. <laughs> Surely. Probably, but they, the outsides of the eggs, they made them. Think of the cows, Ridley. <laughs> we need 130 dead cows now. <laughs> but even this part, you know, when he, he's going deeper into this, this room and investigating these eggs, it, like it, the, the eerie tension here, like, oh, what are you doing? Mm. Stop doing this. It is tense. But the thing is, they they don't know they're in this horror film, and that's what separates. Well, they don't know they're in any film, Hendo. They don't know what is about to happen. Like there are certain horror. Does films- anyone, Hendo? Yes, there are certain in real horror- life. Fucking hell! There are certain horror films when they know they're walking into danger, especially coming up when they separate and they go off one by one, and you're like, "No, don't do that. That's the cliche move." But in this, especially later on, they're trying to find something that isn't particularly scary at that point. Like it's. Case in point, when Brett buggers off to go find the cat, they're only looking for the really small little alien. So it's not a nervous scene for him. But for us, we're like, holy shit, like, don't do that. Why are you going off by yourself? It's because they don't know they're in the, a specific horror film. Or any film. All right. Why do I engage in conversation with you sometimes? Right. Have we said that the facehugger launches at Kane? Yeah, just then. Okay. So the facehugger launches at Kane's face. And <laughs> I thought at this point... Thank God he's got a helmet on. No, doesn't matter. No. It'll get right through that shit. It will. But no, now we get this this tense scene where Dallas, Lambert and Kane are trying to get back in. And Ripley, good on her. Yes. Our hero, doing the right thing. No, you can't come on. He's been contaminated. You stay outside. I'm the captain now. I'm the captain now. <laughs> Look at me. And Ash, who's, Prick. who's just a piece of shit. Just opens it, yeah. and later, you know, she confronts him about it. And she's like, "What the hell? Like, I was, I was chief, I was captain." He does all this stuff, and he's like, "That's his objective." Now. He's like, "Oh, was it? Well, yeah, oh, I forgot." Yeah, it's like, "Wow, you piece of shit." <laughs> I take it you didn't watch the director's cut. No, I watched the theatrical cut. Okay, director's cut goes for an extra like three minutes, and there is a scene here where Lambert slaps Ripley for not letting them in straight away. And she legit slaps Sigourney Weaver that hard in the face. Like the, there's a, the reactions from the, the cast at that point were real because she didn't expect her to do that. I think the other scene they actually throw in is you see Dallas later on in a cocoon, in an alien cocoon. He's like, kill me, kill me. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. Hmm. Did you watch that one? No, no, I didn't. Oh, fair enough. 
But let's go to when Kane is lying on the table and they see that it's gone through the helmet. That's fine. Well, that's good. And this alien's attached to the face. It looks magnificent. And it when does. when they're like prodding the tentacles, and it's and just strangling him. It's, yeah, the, it's tightening its grip yeah. around his neck. It's like, oh, brilliant. Loved it. And as I said, oh, I think I said, I haven't seen this since I was probably 14 or 15. So I remember there was a chest bursting saying, I thought it was here. I thought, oh, here we go. No, it's really extended out. Like there's Mm -hmm. this whole thing where he has it, doesn't, et cetera, et cetera. So that was very, I was waiting for it. And I was, oh, not this scene. Okay, next one. Here we go. It was good. Tense. We find out that the the facehugger here has acid for blood. Because why not? Apparently they wrote that in because- Everyone was just like, well, otherwise, why wouldn't they just shoot it? Exactly. So, But you see how corrosive it is. It literally drops down la- layer after layer. Yeah, and they're running down. And I, I didn't understand this, to be honest, because they go down the next level. Oh, it's already gone through. So they go to the next level and it starts to drip through. What was their plan? What would they do to stop acid that burns through a ship's hull? Because each progressive time it drips through, less and less is going. So if they were to put something else blocking it, they would eventually stop but it. But it stops burning through because it's organic, like it's it's stopped burning. They don't know that. Yeah, but they find out right now, don't they? Yeah, but there is I thought it was a pretty cool little nugget of information. I didn't realise that. Yeah, but when they get back after a little bit, the face hugger's gone. This scene is pretty intense too. I love it how... It's it's a good shot where you have a lot of the stuff in the background you can see. Yeah. And you just you just don't don't know where to look. Like are you gonna be watching Ripley in the front or are you gonna be watching what's happening in the background? You just don't know when it's happening. And you know, you get you get a little little jump ski here when it just, the, the whole face hugger just falls down on her shoulder. Yeah, I did jump at that bit. Yeah. Did you? A little bit, I think. It's so it's so quiet and yeah. it's just ah! and she screams, yeah. <laughs> she screams and I was expecting it to attack, but no, nah, it's dead. Yeah, that dead face hugger was actually made using fresh shellfish, four oysters, and a sheep's kidney to recreate that internal organ there. Yeah, and it looks great when they're when Ash is trying to, it. Yeah, yeah, you know, wanting to do his little. Oh God, what's it called when you're like operating on something dead? What's that word? Oh man, autopsy. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, obviously it doesn't because it'll still got bloody acid, I assume. But yeah. it did look very real. But they have this argument again about what they're going to do with it, and they reckon get rid of it, like toss it out. But Ash is like, no, no, we need to take it back. This is the, what's he saying? Like, oh, this is the first time we've had something like this. We need to take yeah, it back and yep. experiment on it. And yeah, this is where Ripley's starting to have some trust issues with Ash here. Yeah, and Dallas sides with Ash. Yeah. And this next scene we get is Dallas and Ripley arguing. I actually made a note that is this in the theatrical cut. Like, I I wasn't sure what cut I was watching. This scene, I feel like the sound is off and I feel like some of the shots are actually blurry. It felt really it felt out of place. It was a really odd scene. I didn't like, pick up on that. Yeah, it was uh, maybe it was just my experience, but I uh, watching it it felt like a scene had been added to it. Oh, no, I'm almost certain this is in the original. Well, version. I watched I, it must be because I watched a theatrical cut. Yeah. But Kane wakes up. He's all good. Seems a little odd. Yeah, he's normal. He's happy. Can't remember any of it, though. And the mood's very light. Like, I like that... Every- it's good. It, it, it puts everyone in a comfort zone. You're laid back. Yeah, you, your guard's off. It's disarmingly so. Yes. I couldn't imagine watching this knowing... Not knowing what's going to happen here. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously this is my... Excellent! And it's also my... Excellent! 
just the casual talking. Kane's like, yeah, I just want to have some food. I can't wait to get home. Yada, yada. Yep. And then he just starts. He starts coughing. Yeah. And he and everyone's like, what's going on? What's going on? And he just starts convulsing. And Yeah. John Hurt's great in this He scene. is. Have you heard any stories about yeah, this? Yeah, so I hear that um, no one knew, obviously, except John Hurt, that this thing was about to explode out of his chest. Yeah. And the they reactions. Knew something was going to happen. Yeah, but- and the reactions are all very genuine, and they did it in one take. One take, because, and it was more of the, the blood spray all over their face. Yeah, the, especially the- Lambert. Man, she cops it. That reaction from her is absolutely genuine. She got the shit scared out of her with what happened there. Yafet Kodo said he, when he got home, he just went and spent like four hours in his room just in awe of what he just watched. Righto. Give me a break. Um, but there's Alien that pops out. How cool does it look? Looks great. Like, <laughs> Those little fucking babies burst out. What I love is when you have the close-up of the alien, you see John Hurt in the background. His hands are twitching after he's been just had an alien rip out his stomach. Just that little effect there. It's it's mm. it's out of focus in the background, but it looks great. Yeah. And after they eject the cane body from the ship, we get Ash showing this machine he's invented that shows movement. So once they've explained how this cool little contraption works, which... Really, we don't need to know. And to be honest, Ripley sort of gives a reaction like, yeah, I don't need to know because yeah. he gives this super scientific uh, explanation and she's, she's, of it. She's not the biggest Ash fan at the moment, so the sooner he stops I mean, talking, who the is? better for who is? Yeah, it's a good point. But no, they do split into two teams here. They do. And we mostly focus on Ripley, Parker and Brent. This whole scene before they get to the cat, I think it's really well set up. Good lighting. How Because it's a dark place when they use strong lighting from the back that casts shadows on them from the front. I think it looks really good, especially you see the, see the shot where the door opens up and all the light just scatters in and you just see them moving around. Really effective. looks really good. Thank you for sharing that with us, Endo. Thank that you. That's what very, I'm here for. That was very well said. But again, they open up the door. Ah, it's a cat! Jesus, you just gave me a jump scare yes. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like I said before, because they, they think they're only going to find this tiny little alien creature, Brett goes off on his own to go find the cat. And this whole scene is very intense because you, you know what's coming. Mm. You, you know that this guy's done for now. Yeah, it's great. I love the, the cat acting in this. I thought the cat was really good. And I read that the way they got the cat to sort of walk out like it was okay and then suddenly start hissing was they put a German shepherd behind this just basically wooden plank like a big wooden shield from the cat. And then when they wanted it to start hissing, they just lifted up this thing and had this big German shepherd standing there. Yep. And the cat freaked out. Exactly. Brilliant. Works well. Works well. But the xenomorph comes down from, from behind Brett. Looks It looks great how it's just, it's so dark and you can, you can barely see it, but you know Glistening. it's there. It's shiny. Yeah. Do you know how they got that shiny watery effect? No. KY jelly. Nice. I had a customer ask me for lubricant the other day. And I, I, I was. What do you say to that? I was, and it was this really, really old guy. <gasps> and I just, I wasn't even sure if he meant that or something else. Like and Vaseline. I, did, I didn't, yeah, like I didn't want to walk him to the condom section and he'd be like, "What the fuck's wrong with you?" So I actually said, "What do you mean?" And he goes, "You know, for sex." And I was like, "Oh, oh. That made it worse." <laughs> I was walking away like, I can't believe I asked him that. He really looks at you like, "Really, <laughs> really, mate." I was like, oh, that's so bad. Speaking of condoms, that's what they actually use to create the tendons for the alien's jaws. Shredded condoms. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, but this death is great. 
It's oh, it's fantastic. It's so close up. Like you get the quick little shot of the the jaws. The, like no, we see the the tail slip down. Yep. And it's like oh yeah. And the slow turn around. The, the realization. Head, the, eye, the eyeless head. Like let's talk about the design of this oh, xenomorph. Fantastic. It is legitimately the best alien you can imagine. You see like that the, the, huge head that no eyes. The growl like basically the growling teeth, yeah. and then the, the the smaller teeth come out. Yeah. Oh my god. I would be frozen in oh, fear it's, it's as well. Phenomenal. And even the shot, you hear you hear the alien grab Brett, pick him up, and you just get the shot of the cat. Yeah. Just with the lights over its eyes, just just looking like what else is it going to do? Yeah. But there's more discussion about what to do here. They they realise that this alien has grown very quickly to a large large monster, and so Ripley, you know, she's coming up with the right right ideas. Let's get into the air vent and the airlock and suck it out into space. But of course, Ash is having none of this. <laughs> I mean, surely. Surely we should be not listening to Ash anymore. But he's the science guy. That's and right. Science matters. You listen to him, Dallas. I mean, what what kind of excuse Fuck is you, that? Dallas. Harrison Ford would never have said that. <laughs> he would have shot first. <laughs> That's true. But it, you can see how bleak their situation is here when Dallas goes to basically check with Mother to see what is what's their chances, and she, that does not no compute. Idea. Does not compute. Does not compute. Now. That has obviously has to do with the fact that the crew's expendable. This is what the plan is to bring it home. So they're just going to continue to say, don't know, don't know, don't, essentially not answering their questions. This might be a really dumb question. Is mother artificial intelligence or are they communicating with people on Earth? No, I think it's artificial intelligence. Okay. But they come up with a bright idea here for Dallas to get into the airlock. The vents. The vents by himself to flush the alien into the airlock. He's got fire with him, doesn't he? Yes, he does. And that's what makes this scene so effective as well, is it dark corridors and that flash of light that sends it down the down the corridor, the, the vent, basically. Mm. That works really well. Even the little screen that they're looking at where you see like the dots. I obviously, I remember that from The Simpsons when Santa's little helper's in the, the vents when uh, Grandscaper Willie's trying to grab him. Remember that that uh, episode? Because obviously the Simpsons rip off everything. Is that the grease one? Yes. Oh, then yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> grease me up, laddie. <laughs> but no, we see the dots start blinking and flashing on Lambert's little screen. and It's coming right for him. Yep. And he makes the wrong choice of going down one level on the vents. Yeah, and we get jump scare again. Effective. I jumped. Yes. Because it, it's just right there. Ah! And then we get the alien doing spirit fingers for a brief moment. and Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. Like, ah. Dean just did weird spirit fingers and... Nailed it though, didn't I? Stuck his tongue out and... Ah. I think they heard Stop that. Kiss ah. Gene Simmons. <laughs> but I love it though how the screen just like cuts out. Like they weren't watching him on a screen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. But no, this is now Ripley's time to shine. She is commanding officer of this ship. So if you don't like it, they can go to hell. Now, this isn't an overly violent film, is it? I mean, it is when you consider watching it with your seven-year-old son. What are you doing? <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> no, no, no. Before before the chest-bursting scene, Britt was like, uh, I don't think Ethan should be watching this. <laughs> I was like... Yeah, you're probably He's right. all right. Come on. Well, yeah, it can't be that bad. And then like, I saw it. I was Same like, nah, it's, it's really bloody for a seven-year-old. For us, though, now, it's, it's... I feel like it's just more intense. Yeah, it's... I don't even think this movie's very scary either. Like, I think it was heralded After as... After you've spoken about many times, you've already had jump scares at I, you. I, I had two or three little jump scares. Little. But it's not... It's. I don't think this is a scary film now. Now, I'm sure back then it was terrifying, but... 
Did you find this film scary? No, it's just, it's intense. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, the original cut was almost worthy of an X rating. An X rating because of how bloody it was. But because Ridley Scott got so much negative reaction from test audiences, he basically cut it all down. There was lots of violence and lots of gore in it. It works well as a more minimalist film. Absolutely. Because like imagine, imagine if it was super gory, wouldn't you just? It, go, wor- eh. it, it works well. Like you said, the minimalist approach to it—a small contained ship, small crew—everything works together very well. Having having it become super violent and gory, yeah, just wouldn't be as effective. Yeah, and the discussion would then be about like the gore and like not necessarily negative, but instead of being solely about the tension that's created in this film. And also, if they were to go that route, they would have to show the alien a lot more. Yeah. You're up. But now we get Ripley having a crack at Mother, and she really doesn't have too many issues with it. No, she works quite well with it. Gets Just types in the override? Yep, override. Oh, jeez. Yep, done. Oh, here's everything I need to know. Like, who's overriding? What's the point? What's the point of having the override if you can just do it immediately? Yeah. I love how Ash just like shows up in the background here. I can explain everything. Jesus Christ, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> he sweats white. No, he bleeds that because she... she oh, is that blood? Yeah, because she throws him against the wall. I thought that was sweat. No, no, no. That's like his blood. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, we had, fluid, I guess. so we had no idea until this point that he was a, an android. Correct. It's that one little drip of milky blood yeah. that gives it away. And then he goes all weird. Did they know? No. They didn't know either? No, no, because when Parker cracks his head open, he's like, Jesus Christ, he's a robot. He's a robot. Oh, okay, okay, yep. Yeah, but old robot Ash here goes a little haywire. Yeah, he becomes nearly headless. You can see how- How can you become nearly headless? You can see how strong he is here. He easily overpowers Ripley, like rips out her hair in one grasp. He's like the Terminator. What do you expect? No, he's not because he gets destroyed very quickly with a quick smack to the head of a pipe. What's he doing? He's trying to stuff a rolled up paper magazine down her throat. Yeah. Wasn't really doing that good of a job. Surely it's easier to just strangle her from behind. I thought he was going to do that, like bend it and get get her in the the chokehold. Use your hands. And if he's a big, strong robot, why don't you just like crack her in the head? I don't think he's big. He's a strong robot. But- Surely a robot maybe with he's some blunt one, force. Maybe he's one of the runts of the robot litter. Maybe robot that's, litter? Maybe that's why they sent him to space. They're like, yeah, you're too small. Go away. The runt of the you're, robot litter. You're embarrassing the other Terminators. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the, the quick little editing job here of the head where they try and rearrange the head and then you get the quick cut to uh, Ian Holmes' head? I mean... I think I, it's obvious, but it, I think it works well. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's so clear that he's just under the table yeah. or floor, whatever he's on. But no, it's it's okay. Like for for its time, what what are they going to do? I think it, for, a, yeah, do for a practical manner, it yeah, works well. Maybe they could have had a, a quick shot of cutting back to Ripley, like doing a bit of rearranging and then cut back to the head. But with this one, it's a, a straight cut from the dummy, straight cut to the head. So I think it's much more noticeable that way. And even as just a head, he's still a bastard. How good is his line? I can't lie to you about your chances. But you have my sympathies. Yeah, even when he's uh, basically done for here, he still has enough power left in him to give him the old jab before Parker incinerates him. Yeah, no, nah, that was a good bit. And even his reasoning for doing it, he admires the organism. It is a perfect genetic organism. From what little he knows about it. Well, he's a robot. He's probably picked up on a lot more from examining this face hugger. <laughs> How do you know? Because <laughs> he's a robot. <laughs> because he knows more information. He can. He's probably in tune with the spaceship. He knows a lot more than Ripley about the alien. Mm. It's a perfect organism. This is true. Brilliant in every way. But he dead. Good. Moving so, on. What are we down to now? Down to three. 
three. Lambert Parker Ripley. Yeah. <laughs> See, here is where I feel like it starts to go a bit iffy because Ripley leaves the other two to go by herself to get the cat. Didn't this just happen to Brett? Why but are you going by yourself? It works okay for Ripley. Of course it does, because she's the she's the heroine of the film. Sucks to be Parker and Lambert, though. Yeah, they're disposed of pretty quickly. I do like how Parker has, has a bit of heroism here. He could have easily tried to kill the alien here, but he would have killed Lambert at the same time. He instead tackles it. Tackles the alien out of the way before it kills Lambert. Sacrifices himself. Doesn't really work, though. Yeah, for what? He should have just killed him. Lambert's frozen with fear and... There's the shot where you see the tail go between her legs. Yeah, I like that. That is actually Harry Dean Stanton. That was supposed to be for the Brett death, and that is actually his leg. Oh, really? Yes. Good thing he wasn't wearing shorts. It might have been more noticeable, this hairy leg. (laughs) (laughs) Now, they don't actually show it, obviously, in this film, but in the book, the way the alien kills Lambert is it squishes her into a very small vent. Gross. Yeah. Luckily, they didn't show it. Seems weird for the alien to do that. Yeah, well, why does it care how it kills him? Like, yeah. you could just spit acid. Do not, they spit acid? Probably I don't not. think... Oh, yeah, I think it does. In later movies, I feel like... In later movies, the aliens that you've seen. I know about the other alien movies. We'll get to them. I definitely feel like in Alien versus Predator, it does some sort of defense tactic where it spits acid at the Predators. Is that canon, though? Yes, it is. <laughs> they show an alien skull in the Predator 2. Everything's oh, canon. I haven't seen Predator 2. It's not good. But Paul Ripley setting up the self-destruction and changes her mind. That was weird. I'm not sure I like this too much, to be honest. Yeah. there was. Uh, what was the need to do that? I don't know. And then, like, there's this huge countdown when she's trying to turn it off. It's like, I, I, I still don't know what I was, was rooting for at there's that point. There's a lot point. of steps like, to stop the self-destruct. It's very weird looking, bringing up these little prisms or whatever they are, opening up certain little mm. weird things. I think it was a bit, though, when she's walking around the ship just before she's trying to turn it off and she sees the alien as she pokes her head around the corner. Yeah. That was good. Even her, her walk towards the escape pod, she's still taking her time. Even though she knows this, the place is about to self-destruct, she doesn't want to be running along and just get side-tackled by an alien, so she's taking the necessary precautions, using the flamethrower a lot. Still got the cat in hand, of course. Got to have the cat. Jonesy. That's right. Bit weird, though, that uh, the alien doesn't show up at all here. Bit of, a, bit of a mystery where this alien's gone. Is it? No. I think I know where it's gone. I think I do, too. It's in the other ship, the shuttle. The escape pod. Sure. Yeah. It's a huge pod. But yeah, she escapes. She watches the, the ship blow up. Very big, very big shot of the explosion. And we get this extended look at Ripley just sitting there, exhausted. I like it. Yeah, it was good. Just shows how much shit she's been through. And it could realistically end here. Doesn't though. It doesn't. Did you get the shit scared out of you when that alien pops his little weird hand out? No, I think this is a small jump scare. But you got the jump scare, though. I got a small. It was effective enough. Yeah, sure. You? This was one of those ones where you could kind of see something. Like, there was a little shimmer, and I'm like, is that the... Just when I'm thinking it's happening, out it comes. It was very well-timed. Like, it didn't come out... I think it's the head, though. The head's great. Love that big, smooth head. (laughs) The big dome. (laughs) But she comes up with the right idea, gets in the spacesuit, and... Basically, she she sends the, the steam onto the alien because it's hiding. It's hiding. She's trying to get it out in the open. Yeah, because she needs to eject it. Yeah, it's. I mean, why isn't it trying to attack Ripley now? Maybe because it's adapting. Maybe because it knows that it's just her and the alien. It's not a threat to her at the moment. It's not a th- Ripley's not a threat to the alien as far as the alien can see. I don't know. Felt a little off. Like sure, if there'd been any other character, they'd get attacked. <laughs> was it? Was it stuck? 
Because it was moving around in there. Was it stuck? Why would it, how did it get in there if it was stuck? And it got out pretty quickly when the yeah, steam. Yeah, the steam okay. It got out. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe because she's the hero. Yes. So Ripley <laughs> loads her spear gun. That was cool. Yep. Wonder if she'll use that soon. <laughs> of course. We'll check off spear gun. But no, you get the steam, which no one likes steam, do they? No. So You don't like saunas? I actually don't. Like I've been in a couple. They're not for me. It's too hot. <laughs> It makes you sweat, man. I don't, I don't need like a sweat. <laughs> I don't need a sauna for that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the alien does eventually come out and Ripley hits the open door button. Flies out, but it shuts too quickly on the on the, on the No, spear, no, 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 because the alien like grips the door. Yeah. So it's hanging there. So she, then she shoots it with That's the spear right, yeah. gun and then it starts to go and she shuts the door quickly, but the... She catches the the gun. Yeah. So it's still dangling off the back, and then it like tries to. Oh, that like, looked. I thought that looked pretty good when the tail like whips into the the thruster and like it starts to crawl. And like, oh fuck. Yeah, it starts going in there. Yeah. But no, she she ignites those thrusters. Yep. Sends it packing into space. Then she records her final log entry. Puts herself and the cat into the the pod bay, whatever it is, the the life extender. Puts it asleep. That is alien. Any last words? Dean, final thoughts on Alien? So, Alien, I have no love going in for this film. You know, like, it's not yeah. a special movie to me. I didn't see it heaps when I was a kid. Didn't blow me away when I was young. Nothing like that. It's just this film that a lot of people revere. It's super high on the list. And it's very popular. Like, people love Alien. I really enjoyed watching this film. Mm-hmm. I did. I think by far the best thing about it is the actual design of the Xenomorph. It's incredible. The look and feel of the spaceship is very realistic. And for its time, like all the effects look great. Like because they're practical, it all holds up so well. It's a great looking film. For me, it's a little generic where you've got a monster in a place and it picks off everyone basically one by one. I know maybe in 1979. First of its kind. It, it Maybe it wasn't generic. It was new and unusual. But I'm coming from someone who's seen a lot of films now. Don't get me wrong. Like this isn't, I really like this movie. I'm giving it three and a half. But don't hate me for it. I just, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have the same love. It's a very good film, three and a half stars. I don't have a list of things that's wrong with it either. It just didn't grab me like it's grabbed a lot of people. What about you, Hendo? So I did mention that I'd only seen this film once. And from my memory of when I saw it, it was five stars. Like I've all, I've had. Wow, yeah. really? Alien for me, from my recollection. I had no idea you loved it so much. It was a five star. It's it's low tier five star, but from my memory, yeah, great film, loved it five stars. So going back in to watch it for the second time, because there are a lot of films that I've only seen once that I've given five stars, and I'm trying yep. to really- Thin it out. Yeah, th- thin out my five stars, see what is really- justified as a five-star film this film is fantastic for me dripping in absolute tension throughout this whole film the design of the xenomorph is fantastic and the way you barely see it works wonders for that intense feeling you get throughout the film the claustrophobic feel of space 
confined into this spaceship with this small crew works wonders in this small story of this alien just picking them off one by one. The score when it's there works wonders in regards to the sudden bolts of tension that you feel. But when it's not there and it's all silent, it is still nerve-wracking. It works both ways. I think everyone in this film is pretty good. Sigourney Weaver does very well. John Hurt and the head... I must say, Sigourney Weaver, she didn't grab me like I thought she would. Like, I thought she was she was good, mm. but it must be in Aliens when she really becomes this icon. Yeah, that I agree with that. I think the production design on some of these sets is off the charts. I feel like Ridley Scott has really done a masterful job in making a very intense horror film, but it's not five stars for me. No, I'm not surprised. No. Are you going as low as four? No, this is a four and a half. I still feel like this is a fantastic film. I could easily watch this again. It's bleak. It's intense. It's got great cinematography, great lighting, great production, solid characters, great acting, but it just it just doesn't get there for me now. And it has a lot to do maybe with how I see films now. I'm looking them, looking at them with more of a critical eye now. I think I watched this when I was that 16, 17-year-old who was like, oh, holy shit, this is great five stars and never thought about it again. Watching it now, discussing it, breaking it down, still fantastic film, but it's four and a half now. Very good. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dean, where is this going to sit on your rankings now? All right, so this is our 47th film we've broken down from the IMDb Top 250. And I'm going to start at number... Let's look at number 35. I've got Monty Python's Holy Grail. It is better than Holy Grail. Now we look at Wild Tales and, yeah, it's, it's better than Wild Tales. Yes, it is. It's also better than Paths of Glory. And these are all three and a half star films for me, so... It feels we- weird that you've got Alien on, on par with, like, Paths of Glory. Now we get to Hachi. <laughs> you fucking... <laughs> And now if you see Hachi, my if kid we're talking, watch. If we're talking about emotional impact, nah, I'm only playing. What it is, <laughs> it is better than Hachi. It's a wonderful life. It's also better than a wonderful life. The question for me really is the highest three and a half star film on my list, which is The Prestige at number thirty. And I'm going to say it's not as good as The Prestige. So it's going to be my new number thirty-one. Out of 47. What's your lowest four star? A Beautiful Mind. Ugh. Not one of your favourites, Hendo. God, I shouldn't have asked. <laughs> All right, what about you, Hendo? All right, let's start at number 25 with Logan. And it's better than Logan. What? No, come on. Don't be silly. It's better than Logan. How dare you? It's better than It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. It's better than Casino. It's better than Stand By Me. Then it gets to the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that's where it's going to stop. So Alien is my new number 22. Okay. All right, then it's time for our podcast shout out. And it's the guys over at Films on Trial. Now, these are a bunch of UK boys and they basically, they debate films. Much we, like what, we love debates. Much like what we did with our It Debate. They're essentially what they do. They pick a film and they have one of them act for the film, one act against the film. We have a judge. We have people who put in different trivia. There's a caption contest, which I've entered a couple of times. I actually won one a little while ago. No, you didn't. I did indeed. Well, well done to you then. There must have been no other entries that week. <laughs> I actually think it was the week they had the most entries. (laughs) No, but check them out. Films on Trial, they're a great podcast. We'll play their promo now and we'll be back on the other side. Hi, everyone. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. I'm Joel. And I'm Austin. And we are Films on Trial. Basically, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. The films are suggested to us by our listeners and are then picked out of the hat at random. 
as are our roles. The first role is that of the defense who is trying to get the film placed on the hit list. And then there's the prosecutor who is trying to condemn the film. And most importantly, we have the judge who decides which list the film should be placed on based solely on the arguments put to them and not using their own opinion. There's also plenty of other things to keep you entertained, including some terrible songs, some poor xylophone playing, some questionable impressions, a caption contest, a quiz, and a whole host of banter. So, if you like the sounds of that, then why not check us out on your local podcast platform or on our website, filmsontrial.co.uk, where we will be in your ears. In the meantime, back to you, Daniel and Dean. Hey listeners, we just want to take a quick second here to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show and get our name out there, and there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. Let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Amazing! And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash imdbjourney, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash imdbjourney, our letterbox pages where we keep our film diaries up to date. I am at letterbox.com slash dino underscore j88, really rolls off the tongue, and you can find Hendo at letterbox.com slash Hendo. Exactly. Another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us. And like we've said, if you screenshot your review and DM us on Twitter or Facebook, we'll send you out some sweet merch. Or if you're really loving the content and are looking for more, why not check out our Patreon, where we post another weekly show, breaking down films not on a top 250 list. Yeah, we've actually got over 50 episodes on there now. We've gone through some notable directors' filmographies, such as Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright, and even Quentin Tarantino. That's right, there's also tons of other benefits over there. Early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put up on the regular. Yeah, exactly. You can also shape the show the way you want it to be by telling us what films you would like us to break down. So what's coming up this week, mate? Well, this week, Dean, is the start of our new Oscar series and we put up five different years for the patrons to vote on. And overall, they selected 2008. Yes, 2008, which was eventually did win by Slumdog Millionaire. Also had Frost Nixon, Milk, The Reader... And the one we're going to start our patron series on is The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Yeah, uh, good Fincher film there. I haven't seen it in a very long time. I only saw it once. Fincher? I'd forgotten it was him. Nice. Have you seen it before? Yes, I saw it at the cinemas when it first came out, obviously, and really, really loved it. But for some weird reason, I never, ever went back to rewatch it. Well, it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts when we do the breakdown of it. Absolutely. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash imdbjourney and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer. All right, Dan, it's time for... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. And we've got a couple of reviews for Aliens here. Let's start off on Twitter. First one from our awesome patron Dave at the Super Movie Bros. Review? It's in my top five favourites of all time. Next up from Dark Crow. The best movie about a seven foot tall space penis with a mouth that has its own penis (laughs) ever made. It's a lot of penis. It also contains lady fingered vagina crabs and Tom Skerritt. 10 out of 10. Absolutely loves it. (laughs) Here's one from another awesome patron, David Powell. A masterclass in suspense and tension and one of the greatest science fiction films ever made. The one-two punch of Alien and his follow-up, Blade Runner, are just about the most auspicious arrival of a director on the mainstream cinema ever. That's debatable. All right, next up from LJ Human. 
The first VHS I ever owned in 1991 when I sent my dad out to buy Aliens and he came back with this. Wow, he must have been really disappointed. I think you accentuated the this. I think it's more, and he bought this. I don't think so. He was like, I wanted Aliens and I got Alien. Hashtag disappointed. (laughs) That's <laughs> not what it says. Uh, what have we got? Adding a healthy dose of industrial reality to sci-fi and combining it with a haunted house horror sensibility. Groundbreaking suspense by a master storyteller. Changed my life. Isn't he glad now that his dad went and got Alien? Do you reckon he's seen Aliens yet? <laughs> Maybe. Why, why did you just look at the review like, I'm not sure. Of Maybe course he's more. seen Aliens. Maybe there was more. I then watched Aliens afterwards Life and changing. there was nothing in comparison Never to Never bothered to watch the sequel though. I wonder what's if the, that's any good. What's the point of watching the sequel when you've got this amazing first one? Anyway, here's one from Word Salad Radio. No one would have died if they listened to the smart lady. More of a summary. All right, moving on over to our patron page from Ben Mulverhill. Good film, but overrated in my opinion. And our last one on Patreon from the Rough House podcast, a masterclass in sci-fi horror. Beautifully shot, tense, and an all-time classic. Thank you very much, everyone, for your responses. But, of course, we've got... Some might say the best films never get old. So that's why I don't think Alien is one of the best films, because it has gotten old, really old. Alien is slow and boring. Jesus. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) To the point of being tedious. To my surprise on this rewatch for the 10th time, question mark? Why would you watch a movie you think is slow and tedious 10 times? I think he's saying that this is the 10th time he's watched it, and now it's gotten slow and boring. Maybe it wasn't slow and boring on the 9th. The film actually got more boring when the alien turns up in the second half. The suspense is so drawn out that the film couldn't keep my interest. Characters are pretty average. The dialogue seems improvised and mumbled. It is improvised. (laughs) Production-wise, the film is decent, and obviously the look of the creature is terrifying, but compare this to the film The Thing, let's say, and it's just not really that interesting. Probably liked it better the first couple of times I saw it, but I'm definitely sick of it now. Three stars. Definitely didn't sound like a three-star review. Sounded worse. Yeah. But thank you very much, Shane, as Thanks, usual. Shane. All right, Dean, let's get to... That's my question! The question, jerk! Where we asked you is, what is your favourite Ridley Scott film? All right, let's take a look at some responses for the movies that people picked that are not our number ones. First one, again, David Powell. I don't understand the question. How is there any other answer than Blade Runner? Ooh. Well, you'll soon find out. <laughs> uh, next up from Modes T. Okay, Alien is his Bohemian Rhapsody. So I'm just going to take that out of the equation and say Matchstick Men. It's a good choice. Great choice. John Arthur Bell says Alien is a great thriller. Thumb and Louise has good points. Most of the rest is reactionary junk. Herald of Creation says Blade Runner, the director's cut. Anything else is interminable. Interminable? Interminable? What is it? Interminable? Anything else is interminable. Hassan Kamara says, from what I've seen, The Martian. Jackie says, oh wow. This is a really tricky one for me as there are some of my faves on here. Thalma and Louise, Legend and Alien are definite highlights, but I'm going to go with The Martian, which I think is a modern Classic. Here's one from Daniel. So many amazing films to choose from, but I have to go with Hannibal. So I went with one of the ones that isn't amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Sean Chaval says, Never has dystopia been as eye-popping as Blade Runner, but the dispersion and detachment of people continues to be compelling every time I watch it. Today I watched a movie, says Prometheus remains the only movie I've seen twice at the theatre on purpose. Do you like that? I wonder how often... 
He's accidentally to, stumbled into the same movie. You've not seen accidentally. Already. He's been forced to go to the movies multiple times. <laughs> I to, like to think no, of, not again. I like to think of it as accidentally. He's like, I'm going to go see this film, and he walks over. I've seen this, and then he sits down and watches it. <laughs> uh, next up from Matthew Dupont. So many incredible Ridley Scott films. I've got to put forward the incredibly divisive Prometheus. That's two Prometheuses in a row, Dean. I think I might have to check this film out. Sure, go for it, Hendo. <laughs> Miscast Entertainment says, think I have to go with Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I mean, either. Orlando's Bloom. And Orlando's Bloom, is he? Is there someone else in it? Uh, I think there's a big female in it. Hunter Guidry says, Blade Runner will always be number one to me. FTR Cast says, only one answer to this question, Blade Runner. Roy Rios says, for me, Blade Runner, a masterpiece in so many ways. It set a standard for afterwards dystopian science fiction films that have influenced a whole generation of filmmakers. All right, let's take a look on our Facebook from our awesome patron, Josephine Olnitz, Thelma and Louise. Haven't seen it. I uh, mean, either. Reese McKenzie says, Alien, the director's cut. Chris Wooldridge says, Alien is second because Blade Runner. <laughs> Rob Whitelaw says, Blade Runner. My lovely mother. She's come back for a comment with Thelma and Louise. <laughs> Rob Manafield says, Alien, with an honourable mention to the Martian. And our last one on Facebook from Tom Powell, Alien. So much Alien. So much Blade Runner. Alien was the biggest response overall. Now, looking at our Patreon page, the Rough House podcast says, it's got to be Alien. Fun fact, in college, I recycled the same paper about Alien for three different courses. But that's not why I picked it. It's a masterpiece. And our last one from Brian Grabianowski, American Gangster. First mention of that. Yeah. Thank you very much, everyone, for your responses. But, Dean, let's get to our top five Ridley Scott films. As usual, we start with you. What is your number five? American Gangster. Ooh. Just missed my list. Nice. All right, your number five, Hendo. Uh, I know you're going to be negative on this one, but I don't care. My number five is Black Hawk Down. Why would I be negative? Because you said a while ago that film was not good. I don't remember it. What a surprise. Because <laughs> it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> No, my number four is Alien. Damn, that's low. My number four is The Martian. My number three is The Martian. Oh, very good. My number three is Matchstick Men. Very good. My number two is Matchstick Men. Yes, it is. Well, my number two is Alien. Okay. And uh, It's happened again. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had the same number one. And obviously anyone who is listening so far and hasn't heard us say this wo- say this movie at any point through anyone else's comments, it's pretty obvious. My name is Gladiator. Of course. Number one, Gladiator. For me too. And I will have my vengeance in this life more than next. All right, that's enough. What we do in life echoes an eternity. All right, let's take a look at the competition. Husband to a God wife. damn it. <laughs> Father to a murder son. You done? My name is Maximus Justimus Meridius, commander of the legions of the north. All right, go on. All right, our competition. 21 people pick Gladiator overall. And you still think more went alien? I, I really, From looking at it, I really think can we people. just Can we just point out that neither one of us had Blade Runner on our list? Well, I don't <laughs> think Blade Runner is a good film. Wow. And, Dean, what do you think of the film? I love it. Just missed out, though. Oh, just missed out from a recommend. <laughs> Send all hate mail to Hendo. <laughs> All right, let's put all these names in a random name generator and pull one out. And we've got, oh, Nick from the Epic Film Guys. Well done, buddy. Oh, fantastic. Great work, Nick. Glad to see someone has good uh, good taste in movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a bit of shade on it, everyone who didn't pick Gladiator. 
Now, well done, Nick. We'll get in contact with you and we'll send you out some sweet, sweet merch. All right, Dean, it's time to find out what next week's list is going to be. Now, it is a random one, so go ahead and choose a number between 1 and 50 and we'll see what we're going to do. 13. All right, we're going to go with what is your favourite buddy cop film? Cool. Some good options there. Yeah, might be a little bit different this time. See how we go. We're both masters. Who won? How did it end? All right, Dean, it's time to find out the results of our latest Pod v Pod 28 movie draft against Jason, Sam and Trish from the Invasion of the Remake podcast in our draft on horror comedies. And we were team two and we had Beetlejuice, Evil Dead 2, Zombieland, What We Do in the Shadows and Tucker and Dale versus Evil. And Invasion of the Remakes were team one. They had Shaun of the Dead, Army of Darkness, Gremlins, Cabin in the Woods and American Werewolf in London. The hilarious movie that that is. All right, let's take a look at some responses to the poll. First one from Joe Stevenson. One of the toughest ones yet, but I went for Team Invasion. 42 to 37. I'm guessing that's his total ratings for all the films. Ah, Julio the Contrarian said, So tough. IMDb Journey has the biggest dud in Dale and Tucker, but also the best movie in What We Do in the Shadows. The rest of their lineup is rock solid, but the invasion of the remakes Army of Darkness has the edge over Evil Dead 2. On the other hand, Jesus, Julio. Come on, Julio. <laughs> On the other hand, Gremlins and Werewolf were underwhelming when I rewatched them. Team, IMDb Journey gets it. I'm glad you came to the right decision. Yes. It was a long slog, though, Julio. Ghost of the Stratosphere says, Holy for holies, this is close, but Team Invasion is too damn good. Also, I think Beetlejuice went too high. Gidget Von LaRue says, Okay, this is how I'm going to pick. Team Invasion has got two movies we have podcasted. Team IMDb Journey, only one. So Team Invasion of the Remake. That's not how it works, Gidget. Not at all. Everyone has their own ways of picking, but that's not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) What We Should Watch says, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil is one of the greatest love stories ever told. Wait, that's not what we're judging these teams on? Oh, well, I'm still going to go with Team IMDb Journey. Louis Rehm says, I voted Invasion of the Remake, in which all the titles are, are horrifically great, but also partly because awful, atrocious, and very unfunny, what we do in the shadows was allowed to see the light of day as part of Team IMDb Journey. Jeez, tell it like it is, Louis. TV worth watching said, this is so hard. Why, oh why, couldn't you have put Cabin in the Woods with what we do in the shadows and then it would have been an easier pick? I'll have to go with Team Invasion as it's got more of the films I like. Shaun of the Dead was just hilarious. Mayor of Nilbog says, Team Invasion of the Remake. This was so damn close as both teams had amazing choices, but the Cabin in the Woods won it out. Shara Valentine says, I feel as though you forced me to choose which of my pets get to live. Jesus. Didn't know we put that much pressure on people. Each team has some of my favourites, but I can't deny my love of Gremlins and Cabin in the Woods. Boo, Bert. Says, Team Invasion of the Remake, just for the Cabin in the Woods, my absolute all-time favourite. Interesting. That's uh, worthy of a choice then, I guess. The Rough House Podcast says, I love Shaun of the Dead, but Zombieland and Beetlejuice are like Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage in the 80s as the mega powers. Caroline says, awesome lineups, but I went with Team IMDb Journey for two big reasons. What We Do in the Shadows and Zombieland. Nice. Pinto Comics says, 
That is a real tough one, but Team Invasion edges out, even with the inclusion of the insipid Cabin in the Woods. Stupid, stupid, stupid movie. Still Mallow says, Jesus, that's a hard choice. Got to pick Team IMDb Journey. Beetlejuice puts it over the top. So many conflicting views here, isn't there? Like, Beetlejuice is too high. Beetlejuice won it for me. Cabin in the Woods is my favourite movie. Cabin in the Woods is stupid. That's what's good about movies. Everyone has their own opinions. Jackie says, it's a tough one, but i got to go for Team Invasion. Sean and Cabin in the Woods topples it. Rob Manafield says, Team Invasion. I mean, they have Shaun of the Dead. That's an automatic win. Oh, I guess the, the draft was over immediately for you, Rob, wasn't it? Paul at the Countdown Podcast says, Team Invasion monstered it. Ha, thanks. I'll be here all week. Try the veal. And lastly here from I've Seen This Before, I have to pick Team IMDb Journey. As much as I love Shaun of the Dead and Cabin in the Woods, I love every single movie on Team IMDb Journey. Now, thank you very much, everyone, for your responses, but let's get to the results. And we lose 63% to the Invasion of the Remake podcast. Well done, guys. Great effort. That gives you a two-to-one victory. Wait, not great effort. I'm so, <laughs> they won. so used to winning this. <laughs> Damn you guys. <laughs> yes, yeah, our third loss overall out of 25 Pod V Pods, so I think that's a pretty good record. I mean, sure, but we've got to start winning again now, Hendo. I know. Why don't you go work on your movie trivia knowledge and we'll uh, we'll see what happens next time. And I've saved this team countless times. As have I, mate. Look at this. We lose one, we just bicker. <laughs> who's, who's more, more shitter? You. <laughs> you are. There's this tournament. Let the tournament begin! All right, Dean, it's time to find out the results of the best 1990s film tournament. We have Jurassic Park against Pulp Fiction. And in the end, with a 59% victory, it is Pulp Fiction. Well, that's surprising, isn't it? Jurassic Park had a solid, solid run throughout this whole thing. Yeah, I thought it was going to monster it. Why do you do these things to me? (laughs) (laughs) What, don't you get that? (laughs) (laughs) Now, <laughs> uh, well done to Pulp Fiction. It joins Casablanca, 12 Angry Men, Psycho, Star Wars A New Hope, and Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back in the final eight tournament that we'll do in a little while because it's time now for our 2000s tournament. Indeed it is. What have we got for matches? Well, we've got 52 movies overall. Nice. Many films have already qualified into the, th- the final 32, but let's take a look at the first 10 matches that we'll do this week coming up. First match here, we have No Country for Old Men against Finding Nemo. It's actually a big match, isn't it? I feel like we're going to see a lot of big matches coming up. That brings us out, out to our next one. Like Stars on Earth against Before Sunset. What the fuck is Like Stars <laughs> on Earth? Are you a little nervous now? You have a film that you don't know on the top 250 that we'll be doing at some point? I've never even heard of it. <laughs> And it's recent. Is it foreign? It must be foreign. Is it Indian? I think you so. You don't even know. I think I think it is. <laughs> I haven't seen it either. All right, next match here we have Inglorious Bastards against Suarez. <laughs> <laughs> there are going to be some huge blowouts here. Uh, next up, we have Howl's Moving Castle takes on Rang de Basanti. Seriously? Ah, uh, the classic Rang de Basanti. <laughs> this, uh, come on. Here's one. Here's one. How about this? Downfall against Million Dollar Baby. Mm, that'll be good. I've, I think I know which one will win, though. Next up, My Father and My Son takes on Mary and Max. I know at least one of those films. Yep. What about this one? Wally against A Wednesday. Just a single Wednesday. Oh, God. Oh, this next one's good, though. We have Snatch against Monsters, Inc. Two completely different films. Two great films. That's right. How about this one? The Secret in Their Eyes against Memories of Murder. I've seen both of those. I have a clear favourite. Okay. And our last match here for the first round, we have Amelie taking on Amoris Peros. Two very good films as well. 
One very good film. I'm going to say Amoris Peros for you? Yeah. Not an Amelie fan. I mean, I saw it when it came out and it didn't grab me. I was very young. I probably hadn't mm. seen very fo- many foreign films at that point anyway, so I'm keen to re-watch Amelie, to be honest. But at this point, definitely Amoris Peros for me. Very good. All right, those are our first ten matches. So, what's next? All right, Dean, we know what we're doing next time. It's The Shining. Yes. Kubrick's classic, The Shining. Can't wait to get into it. Yeah, that's going to be good. Now, next week is a very special Pod V Pod because it is a Pod V Pod V Pod. And of course, it is a horror related Pod V Pod V Pod. And we have three brand new guests coming in to battle each other. Dean and I are going to play referee, umpire, official. Play, play possum. That's right. What? <laughs> I love how you disagree with it. Like, I just, I've just tuned you out so much by now. I'm just like, yeah, whatever you said. No, our three guests are going to be Rob from Movie Geek and Proud, Drew from the Real Feels podcast, and also Mike from the Mike Mike and Oscar podcast. So that's going to be a riveting good time to see who is going to be crowned horror champion. It's going to be good times. Good times ahead. So thank you very much, listeners, for checking out the episode, and we will see you next time for Pod V Pod V Pod. Bye.